Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the motivational spiritual gift episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hello. All right. Motivational spiritual gifts. Any initial thoughts? That was great. This, there's a few things now. All right. There's a few things we offer as Music Life Church that kind of stand above all the other things we offer. Now we have a lot of content. There's a lot of ways we help people and, uh, and all of them are great. Not only because I'm a fan of them, but also because it's based in God's truth and God's doctrine and it works and it's really helping people. But this is in the top three of things that, maybe this might be the the number one way we've helped people over the years Yeah, where it has made an immediate impact on people's lives, given them an intentional way to determine which of the motivational spiritual gifts that they hold, that they've been given from God to the point where even people who end up walking away from us, not liking us, maybe even whispering about us. Yeah still like what they learned from the motivational gifts. Yep. So this is just like maybe not only one of the most powerful things that God's given us, but it's one of the things that when we help people intentionally determine what their motivational spiritual gifts are, they have an immediate behavioral change. Yeah their lives are changed like forever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love this. I think the episode was fun, but I also really, I really, and I dig this information. So yeah. Good episode. Yeah, man. It's, it's amazing. I think it's such, it's such a powerful topic because really the motivational spiritual gifts are who you are. Yeah. These are these are who we are. These were gifts that were given to us during the womb. So one of the things that you can call this is this is like your soul. Yeah. What is your soul going to be like? Well, it's going to be these motivational spiritual gifts. Right. Which is why I was saying in um what the flock, I was saying we have not discovered the bottom of these gifts. Right. We have not learned all of their functions. No. Because a lot of these gifts are really good for situations that are bad. Yeah. You know, like making people aware of things that are wrong. Uh Uh-huh. You know, or (laughs) helping people understand things that they don't know. Yeah. Or helping people with the pain that they feel. So how does this work in eternity when there's no sin? We have all of this uh, knowledge that knowledge, it says, will cease. Yeah. And then it says, you know, that there's there's not going to be any more crying or pain or anything like that. So in terms of how these look, it's going to be interesting. Do you have any... uh, theories right off the bat about or any ideas yeah about I mean, how they're, they're going to look i think we get it we get some insight into what 
what this is going to look like just through the comparing and contrasting of repentance and repair. Repentance is something we do to repair a situation that has gone wrong. Repentance is repair. Repair isn't always repentance. Because we can make things better without first doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Doing something wrong, having a wrong behavior, having a sin. I can find out the areas where I'm wrong without first acting on those things. Nice. And that would yeah. be repair. So eternity, eternal life, eternal repair is going to look like us continuing to grow and finding areas in, in our lives where we need to still improve upon. And so what it, what it'll look like is the, and I know this is big, big picture and philosophical, but what those, I was wrong. This is why I was wrong. I don't want to do it again. Will be replaced with is instead it, it'll it won't be in response to me doing something wrong anymore. It'll be proactive. It'll be me and the rest of the bride and Jesus and God the Father continuing to find the ways to become a better bride over time for eternity. The benefit we'll have in eternity is we won't be learning those things through experience, or we won't be learning those things through sin. We won't be right. learning those things through hurting one another, right. damaging one another, abusing one another. We'll be learning those things because we have a corporate growth mindset. We just constantly want to keep getting better for eternity. And whether I do something wrong or not, I can't grow without finding areas within me that are wrong. That's going to be the difference. I, I still, and this is there, there's this misconception that once we get to heaven or the new Jerusalem, what have you, that all of a sudden, because I'm a perfect being, it means we have this flawed definition of perfect as without flaw. Mm. But what it really means is we'll be our most profitable version of ourselves. But that level of profitability will increase for eternity. So we're constantly going to be finding these things within ourselves, within the bride, that can be better. We'll, we'll be growing and becoming more and more worthy to have Jesus as our groom for eternity. Nice. So that would be my explanation as to why even those gifts that right now seem like they work best in a really bad situation is like, yeah, well, one of the things that sanctification results in is me getting to a point where I'm starting to find the flaws within myself before I take an action and hurt somebody in those areas. That's what the restoration process is really helping people with is why don't we get control of our lives so that we, because being out of control means I'm hurting myself and other people. Mm -hmm. Let's get control of our lives so that we can give up control to God. Another way of looking at that is Let's stop messing up our lives and other people's lives in order to grow and make progress. Let's get to a place where we can grow and make progress while we're in control. Let's find those flaws, those, those areas with those unrighteous and unjust areas in our lives without having to actually be unjust or wrong 
in order to find them. And that's really a picture of eternity. Nice. That's really cool. Can you give us an, uh, an overview of the strict and loose side regarding motivational spiritual gifts, Pastor Joel? Yeah. So the, the strict side or what we call the limitation side in the monk podcast is really saying, um, just do the gifts, do, and you know, do any of them really take the spiritual gifts test. Here's the two or three you're supposed to do. And it really turns into people even manipulating the test into getting the answers they think are the best. Unfortunately, what, what the result is, is people end up choosing on this side, they end up choosing gifts that aren't actually the ones that God gave them. And it can result in being drained of energy and even depression. Hmm. Then on the loose side, it's really, you know, God's in control. He'll have these gifts happen when he wants them to happen. Don't tell people what they're supposed to do. Cause that could cause too much pain and tension. So yeah, we'll just give it to God. Yep. Just to remind everyone, this podcast is for our leaders who are listening that want to help people who've been hurt by this topic. So what I want to do right now is I want to go through these seven motivational spiritual gifts, and I want us to talk about how they are misunderstood. Ooh, I like that. Because a lot of times, and if in counseling and therapy and with psychology, um, oftentimes there's a diagnosis that people are give to others and it's not it's not a positive diagnosis. One of these things about the motivational spiritual gifts that's so powerful is this is instead of saying you are bipolar, we'd say you are an exhorter or you are a perceiver yeah. or you are compassion. Um, and so it's a positive diagnosis that helps you make progress, not a negative diagnosis that causes you to stay away from a certain behavior. Yeah. However, there's so, these are so interesting. And like you were saying in um, what the flock pastor, Joel, these are gifts that are given to us. Therefore we have a responsibility yeah. in doing them and using them. So therefore we can use them the right way and we can use them the wrong way. So not only, actually, you know what? Not only do I want to talk about how they're misunderstood, but I want to talk about how they're misused. Okay. Because, you know, for our listeners, they are, and, and I encourage our listeners to discover the motivational spiritual gifts of the listeners, or I'm sorry, of the people that they're helping. So oh, you're helping yeah. someone who's been hurt by church figure it out, like learn these gifts. And what we're going to do is we're going to put up a quiz yeah. that helps people determine their motivational spiritual gifts. Yeah. It is in a different context, but they are still those same seven gifts. Right. Do you have anything to say about that? That Yeah. There will quiz? be a link to a couple different resources. I'm going to put them on both the, what the flock, and this smoke podcast. And uh, one of the, one of the resources will bring us to a link of uh, 
the like just more information on the restoration process. One will bring you to a resource that you may not have heard of before, but to Pastor Jonathan's point, it is based in the same information. It'll help you a really quick quiz you can take, bringing you through this really short story that'll help you determine which motivational spiritual gift you have. I bring up the restoration process too, because that is one of the very first lessons when we're teaching and bringing people through the restoration process. We, we cover the, this, this in depth in a very, I think in lesson number one. So that's another route you could go. If you want to stick to the resources you're more familiar with, you can always go through the entire restoration process. Awesome. But I'd love to hear. Yeah, I think this is great. I'd love to hear more about uh, the misuse and mis misunderstood. Yeah. So perceivers, perceivers want you to be aware. So oftentimes they're pointing out if you're if if someone's a perceiver, they have a tendency to be able to see where things are wrong. And I would say the New Jerusalem perspective would be the opportunities, right? Yeah. So there's always going to be opportunities for more in the new Jerusalem. So um, the eternal perspective with this perceiver is it's not going to be necessarily sin or confess where you've sinned. It's going to be no share the opportunities for growth. Yeah. So how perceivers can be misunderstood is they can be misunderstood as negative or pessimistic because they're showing opportunities or where things are wrong, right? they can be seen, that can be negative or they can be seen as Captain Obvious. So if you have someone out there that you're helping that feels like, oh, I'm so negative, you know, or everyone says I'm negative, well, likely they could be misunderstood as a perceiver. Yeah. How perceivers misuse their gift of perceiving is what we call divination. And divination is they become the source of reality. So that person over there is trying to get me or something in my life is never going to work out. It's like, you know, I will never be able to achieve my dreams. I will always struggle. And it's like, wait, where is that coming from? Yeah. Where is like, why is that? And it's essentially them coming up with, they are the source of reality. Well, because I said it, it is the way that it is. It's the way that I see it. Therefore it is reality. Okay. Well, there's multiple different perspectives or ways of looking at a certain situation. They see it their way and they determine that that is reality. Divination teachers. They want you to understand how they can be, misunderstood is they can be misunderstood as know-it-alls or braggers. Why is that pastor Joel? (laughs) I'm sorry. I blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) I triggered there for a minute when he started talking about the (laughs) the teacher. (laughs) Well, okay. I love, you want some commentary behind why teachers are know-it-alls? Teachers are often seen as know-it-alls. And braggers is like right alongside that. It's like if, if we're talking about a topic, teachers tend to be the ones who have to keep adding the more information. It can sound like they're bragging about, oh, I know a lot about that thing. 
but this know-it-all thing in particular, well, one, it tends to be teachers want to just give you information. So they, they do seem like a know-it-all in that, but also I could even argue that sometimes they are in a sense, know-it-alls. The reason being we, we retain only 25% of the information that's taught to us. We we retain 75% of the information that we teach others. So a teacher has a motivation or the energy to explain and teach things. And because they do so, because everything they learn, they go ahead and want to teach other people. Mm -hmm. They end up learning more than other people because they're teaching. In fact, one of the things we advise people who don't even have the gift of teacher to do if they want to learn information better is to teach someone else that information. So that's why a teacher could be misconstrued or labeled as a know-it-all. It's because a lot of times they do know a lot of information and they also just share all that information. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And how, how does a teacher misuse their ability? Pastor Joel. It's slumber, which a it lot is. of times slumber can oh. be. Oh. Yeah. But slumber can be mis misdefined or applied as this just turning your brain off. Like I'm going to sleep. I'm just going to go unconscious, which it can be that. But really, the issue is a teacher not being willing to be taught. Nice. Thank you. Thank uh, compa- you. Yeah, buddy. Compassion. They want to bear your pain. Um, how they can be misunderstood is as too sensitive yeah too sensitive too soft and how it goes wrong is enabling so in order to grow people are going to experience they need to step into a situation that causes them pain as they grow so compassion is supposed to alleviate that pain of growth what a compassion person does is they block that person from taking from stepping into that situation that's going to cause them pain, the pain of growth. And they go, Oh, look, I helped them. Right. You know, a classic way of of that is like a parent doing their child's homework for them. Oh yeah. That's blocking the growth of that child. Yeah. Um, you know, or instead of confronting an issue where something's wrong, compassion person goes, ah, you know, you don't need to do that. It, just let it go. Just let it go. Right. It's totally yeah. fine. And that's enabling. It's preventing people's yeah. growth. Givers, they want you to receive a, a tangible gift or an improvement. And how they can be misunderstood is very stoic. Mm. So they give a gift, they give an improvement, and they can be seen as unemotional because they are so in the, in the moment. They're like, well, why don't you, why don't you do this? Or you know what make this better? To do this. And then boom, they're kind of gone. Yeah, okay. So they're just in the moment. So they can be misunderstood as stoic. Like, how come you're just so, you know, uh, unemotional? And where they can do things wrong is that they can give to take. So, you know, I really like playing music, Joel. So I buy you a guitar and a bunch of guitar lessons. And now you need to play guitar 
and learn guitar so that you and I can play music together. Didn't I give yeah. you an awesome gift? Man, I gave you that awesome like, gift of a guitar. Yeah, like the I give you a gift card for you and me to go to my favorite restaurant. Exactly. Here's, you know, here's two tickets to see my favorite musical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's give it, that's giving to take. And that's what happens is if people don't respond well to a giver, sometimes they can turn into the ultimate taker. Yeah. So, oh, fine. You think, you know, people gave them a gift and someone's like, wait, why are you giving me this? I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for you to do this. And then all of a sudden they're almost like that other person's responding to the giver. Like, what are you trying to get from me? And that's where the giver is like, Oh, if you think that I'm trying to give to get, well, then let me show you what it really looks like when I start taking. Yep. Servers, they want to fill a need. How they can be misunderstood is as busybodies. They're getting involved in everyone's stuff. When there's a mess, they are drawn to that mess and they start getting involved. They jump into other people's problems. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, get out. It's none of your business. <laughs> Servers generally really like information as well, like in, ev- like in what's going on with other people because it's information to hear about the messes that are potentially happening or what's going on with all these people. Servers are really good at connecting so that information, they can use that to benefit other people or they can use that, um, you know, in, in a bad way. How servers, what servers do, uh, how they misuse their gifts is what we call serfdom. They can feel like they have to do something. And when a server feels like they have to do something, then it's like everything within them is just drained of energy. You want your servers to be the ones that are connecting with everyone, like buzzing around, taking care of all these things. And if when you tell a server what they have to do or they feel like they have to do something, their energy gets drained. Oh, yeah. So that that's what can happen. So that that misuse of serfdom of feeling like they have to. So Another word for of, serfdom is slavery. Yeah, and bondage, right? Yeah, exactly. So they instead of slavery. you need to do this, even just saying I need, presenting a need to them can be the difference between whether or not they're energized. Exactly. Yep. Administrators, they want to coordinate a group. So how they can be misunderstood as manipulators or game players. Yeah. And um, because they like to coordinate a group, one of the ways to get a group coordinating is to, you know, again, like kind of like talking to other people about what's going on and um, coordinating that that group one of the ways to do that is also by playing games like literally and that helps coordinate and bring a group together like one of the greatest forms of groups coming together is sports right yeah. we're all where and we connect over this game together so administrators can be misunderstood as game players or yeah. you know manipulators but how they do their gift wrong is what we call misleading So an administrator ought to be facilitating the group to move forward in the safest way that everyone, as we make progress towards the goal, doesn't get hurt. But what an administrator can do is they can mislead. They can try to get 
a person to do what they believe they should do, not for that other person's benefit. Or they could say, you know, what would be great is if Pastor Joel was not involved with this group. Mm. And so what they do is they can turn the whole group against Pastor Joel. Okay. Or they could tell Pastor Joel, you know what? Maybe you should go do this thing with that other group of people and leading them away from the group while this group, you know, and, and they think this is what the group needs. And they've kind of determined that. So that's that's misleading. Yeah. And then with the exhorter, they want you to be excited about the future. Um, you know, ex to exhort someone means to encourage them. It gives someone courage. So how they can be misunderstood as, as dreamers or optimists where they're, oh, you yeah. know, the sky's the limit. You can do it, yeah. you know. Head in the clouds. Head in the clouds. Yeah. Um, and then how they can misuse that is that these people, like we said, have their focused on the future they're infinitely forward so exhorters tend to have amazing incredible imaginations that they can use the wrong way and if you use your imagination the wrong way negatively it can turn into fear yeah and fear is like uh you know this snowball that's running that's going down the side of a cliff gathering oh, yeah. more and more and more snow <clears throat> and that exhorter is running they feel like they're running in front of that snowball to basically save the village. And they are screaming and yelling, run. Meanwhile, they, if they would just look behind them, they would see that that snowball is literally a snowball. Yeah. Right. But in their imagination, it feels, feels that way. Yeah. So one of the things to do is to the people that you're helping is to just look at that list and go, Hey, how does this person feel misunderstood? Yeah. Do they feel misunderstood? And here's kind of ways or have they misused their gifts? Because that's a lot of what we're doing when we're helping people determine theirs. Because, because these can be misused, we're often finding who the, the gifts for people as often in the misuse as we are in the way it's meant to be used. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, it, this is as important to understand. I think it's as important to understand as what the gift offers because you're going to see maybe, maybe as much, sometimes more often, depending on where the person's thought process is, you're going to see the misuse of the gift. So that can help a lot. Yeah. But this was, yeah, this was amazing. Pastor Jonathan, thanks for helping us with that. Because um, not only... When we're helping people, this is one of the first things we try to figure out is what mm -hmm. their motivational spiritual gift is. Because everything we do when we're interacting with this person then goes through that. Yeah. And ultimately, talking about unity in the last episode, not only are these gifts when they work together, this amazing picture of confession and repentance, and ultimately repair right this is going to be this is a picture of what we're going to be doing for eternity as a body yep but it's how we connect with one another mm -hmm. that is something that is intrinsic within every person is we want to feel connected the way i feel connected is by teaching yep the way you feel connected is through compassion yep when 
I know that I can do it on purpose. You And that's one of the reasons you and I are unified because we know how to intentionally operate in our gifts and how to interact with the other person in theirs. And this is going to be talking about helping people. Yeah. This dissolves so many problems people have when they totally. learn their motivational spiritual gift. It's just incredible. It is. And it, I think it gives a lot of words to feelings about, Oh, that's why that person is doing that. I'm misunderstanding their gift. Right. Great. When you misunderstand it, then you can intentionally understand it. That's what it means. So that's great. Can we go through those three categories of people from the self-esteem perspective? Yeah. I mean, you could call this the low, mid and high motivational, spiritual gift esteem. Nice. Cause it's the self-esteem we're talking. That's, this is like as pure of an episode attached to these different levels of self-esteem as possible. So low nice. self-esteem is just somebody who is just doesn't know who they are. It's really abstract child of God, right? They don't know who they are. They're not operating in it. They aren't motivated. Mm. They're drained because they're yeah. trying to get their source of energy from outside themselves when the source of energy is within them. Yeah. Mid self-esteem is someone who's frustrated because they're not able, you know, they might be uh, living out this, this uniqueness periodically. Maybe, maybe they even know what it is, but they still haven't figured out the right way to benefit others with it. They're still doing it for their own sake. A lot of times we find people have gone through the restoration process their self-esteem gets to the mid-level where they're finally in control of their lives, but they haven't yet crossed the line of becoming a leader. Right. So I'm a teacher. So I'm going to teach. And my frustration is when I find out not everyone wants to be taught. <laughs> yeah. And then high self-esteem is I know my gift. I know how to live in it. I know how other, and, and really it's, I know how to connect with others in my gift. Cause I don't need, like, I'm at the high level of like, I understand what teacher is. I can live it out on purpose at a high level in a way that benefits others. And it's become natural to me to a point where now I can put my energy and my focus on helping other people live out theirs. And that's really the high self-esteem where we see it, it really flips into, I don't need to worry about my own self-esteem anymore. I can just focus on helping other people be lifted up in theirs. That's very cool. Yeah, there you go. And that's now, now you're talking about fulfilling the law of Christ, right? Right. Yep. Very cool. And finally, can you remind us once more about what the ultimate answer for this topic is? Yeah, the ultimate answer is the motivational spiritual gifts are the gifts given to each person that defines their uniqueness. Amazing. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. Yeah, Thanks thank for letting you. me teach. That was amazing. Yeah, dude, that was a lot of fun. And thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.